Mets fans, Mets fans, welcome back. Another episode of 40 Minutes to Flushing. I am your host, Mike Handel. Along with me here is our buddy, Sean Arnell. Sean, how are we doing tonight? Pretty good, Mike. Good to be talking to you after uh, an interesting week of Mets baseball. Interesting week, interesting month. Um, we, We've had a lot of ups and downs with this team so far. And for us to walk away with April with a record of 15 and 12, which was close to what we were predicting, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I think all in all, it's the what happened isn't what we were expecting, but they they somehow got around to like, okay, we're just slightly above a 500 team, which is kind of what I expected given the schedule and who they were playing throughout the month. Um, what the team looks like and how they got there, couldn't have guessed a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, it shows that this team still has some sort of a strength to them internally i mean for them to walk out of the month you know still three games under 500 let me ask you a question if luis rojas was managing this team what would our record be oh they'd be seven games under 500 right now instead of three games over um i do feel like bucks does a good job keeping them motivated you know things happen like the west Coast trip where they look a little flat but for the most part they play good baseball all year um at least fundamentally uh by the way uh that record they broke how random was that longest time without committing an error uh just flew so far under the radar i didn't even notice until after they had committed the error and announced that oh the mets had broken that record so pretty good fundamental baseball i guess up, up until this week pretty surprising because they had a rough week defensively mainly against yeah. the washington nationals um francisco lindor even had a tough time out there yeah, nice they look flat coming back from uh, San Fran. And that's funny, too, because we were looking at that West Coast trip, you know, coming out of the gate in April. But I think because it was in April, we were able to uh, succeed out there. And also the Giants just aren't very good. And the A's. And maybe we caught some of those teams at the right time. Well, I mean, the A's are the A's. Um, and the Giants, you know, they are what they are. But uh Dodgers, maybe we caught them at the right time, I think. Um, being able to go there and take two out of three, they're not firing at all cylinders right now. So, hey, you know, we we're going to play them this year out in L.A. I'm glad it was right now while they haven't figured it out. Offensively with this team right now, I noticed that in their victories, they're putting up a lot of runs. But when they're losing, they're getting shut down. That's Kind of what we're used to seeing with the Mets. You know, one night they'll go out there, score a ton of runs, and the next one be completely shut down. And it's only April, but I, I hope that's not what this season is going to be all season long. And last year, our favorite part about the team was its consistency. We knew that that was going to take a step back this year, it, you know, winning 101 games again. But I, if April's kind of a microcosm of what this team might be. I think so. Um, I don't think we're going to cruise through like we did last year. I think it's going to be a lot of up and down, ups and downs like this. Um, and it's it's interesting too. You bring up the the way they're scoring runs, and I agree. Um, they're really struggling to beat good pitching this year. Um, you know, going back to the Kershaw start a couple weeks ago, this week even against the Nationals, I think um, you know they're starting pitching maybe a little bit better than we initially thought. Um, Two of the guys they got back in those Dodgers and Padres trades, Josiah Gray from the Dodgers and um, Mackenzie Gore from the Padres, are actually looking pretty solid to start the year. Um, so, you know, I know the Mets didn't hit. I'm not making excuses for them. I think good teams find ways to win those games. But 
they have looked pretty inconsistent and they definitely struggled against uh, some good starting pitching this year. Um, I think good teams can find a way to battle and keep themselves in the game. A lot, large part of it's because our um, starting pitching has just been so bad, but yeah, they definitely struggled against that good starting pitching. Um, didn't pull out those wins, unfortunately, against a lesser team like the Nats. And uh, here we are at 15 and 12. Yeah, the starting pitching was something that we thought we'd be able to count on. And going into May, you know, start a fresh new month. You got Verlander coming back against Detroit, the team he made his debut with. And you got Scherzer coming back as well. So I'm hoping that could kind of get the ball rolling. Schedule looks a little bit softer in the month of May for us. And uh, with that being said, our bullpen, uh, David Robertson has been lights out. Adovino has been great, but there's been some hiccups. There's been some inconsistencies with some of the guys in the bullpen so far. Yeah, there have. Um, overall, I'm pretty encouraged by what I've seen from them. Um, I think they pitched better than I expected, um, but there's been some ups and downs for sure. You know, Drew Smith for sure has been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. Um you know, uh, Tommy Hunter is useless. <laughs> um, uh, some of the other guys that have come in too, it's like, you know, you get a good start from them or not a good start. Maybe like maybe a few good innings one day if they had to step in early. And then next time out, you don't really know what to expect. Um, Adovino and uh, Robertson have really just anchored the end of the bullpen. But otherwise, you know, it's kind of still figuring out who um, who's capable of what. Even, uh, you know, the other night, depending on Brooks Raley against uh Get some lefties and gets drilled for uh for a grand slam at that uh Thursday game. A couple other guys though that I want to point out in the bullpen that have uh showed some showed some life early on is uh Jacob Yacobonis and Jeff Brigham. Uh yeah, they the were the two guys. they were the two guys that came in after that uh wacky Scherzer ejection. And you know, they've been able to hold their own so far. Yeah, so far they've been serviceable. Um just good to see. Uh I really when I looked at this team on paper, I thought, if anything, the starting pitching is fine. We have enough depth there. It's going to be the bullpen that's going to struggle. And, you know, sure enough, the bullpen's actually been okay. Uh, starting pitching, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's going to be a matter of uh, consistency at this point with the team. I think if everybody who needs to be out there is out there, then it just comes down to consistency. Um, offensively, I love what I'm getting out of Brandon Nimmo. Uh, he's been the best, one of the best players on the team so far, offensively and defensively. Uh, you got Pete, you know, mashing the ball. He's got 10 homers, which I believe is second in the majors to Max Muncy. He might be tied with Patrick Wisdom now at this yeah, point, but I, even still. Wisdom might have overtaken him even. I think he might have hit 11. Oh, okay. All right. But yeah, you know, and I don't want to complain about Lindor. You know, he's got the four homers. He's got the 17 or 18 RBIs, rather. He's hitting a lot more doubles than he's uh, than he's done the, over the last two years so far. But when he strikes out, I got to be honest, it's like some of the ugliest strikeouts I've ever seen. When he's good, he's good. And, you know, if you look at his cumulative statistics at the end of last season, you see 26-107. It's like, all right, I guess I can't really complain, but... It's yeah. when you watch him every day, there's like these pockets of games offensively. Defensively, he's a steady Eddie. Uh, you yeah. know, regardless of what happened against the game in Washington. Defensively, you can count on him all time long. But like offensively, there's just something he could look lost up there at times on his bad nights. 
Yeah, I, I've noticed that before too with him. Um, you know, it, the stats are there, like you said, at the end of the year, but you look at his approach when he's cold and even sometimes when he's hot, he'll have an at bat where he just looks incompetent at the plate, just chasing away, um, like way off balance. That's just kind of who he is. It's uh, it's frustrating because I and I feel like this is part of the reason I don't really trust him as a three hitter. Uh, he just doesn't look like he has that consistent approach at the plate where you can trust him to be in every at bat, whether he's hot or cold. Uh, I th- think that's ultimately what separates the really good hitters from, you know, from the, uh, you know, slightly above average guys is their ability to hang into every at bat and to really grind out even the uh, the slumps like. Alonzo's in a bit of a slump now, but I think what we've seen from him throughout his career, and especially the last couple of years, is when he has a slump, you know, he he's not going, he's not batting like 130 during those slumps. He's at least grinding at bats and finding a way to bat like in the low 200s through them, and then he's battling his way out of them pretty quickly. And, you know, he as he gets older and more mature, he's not having those bad at bats where he's flailing at the, pay, at the plate at like a slider low and away. Um so I think you feel better about a guy like that versus Lindor, where it's just like, you know, he, he looks like his buddy Javi Baez up there sometimes. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Some of those swings are wild. Going back to Pete Alonso, though, yeah, that slider away, that sweeping slider away was always his bugaboo. And he's doing a b- better job taking it now. Obviously, when he's going through his tough stretches, he bites on it. But I yes, think overall... I think overall he's just becoming a better and better hitter as a as the years go by. Yeah, and I think you're seeing him spit on pitches uh, this year and last that he, when he was younger, would have uh, definitely chased. So he, he's becoming a much more complete hitter, even though he is in a little bit of a slump right now, um, coming off that road trip. Um, one guy I do like right now, uh, and even before the results were there, was really encouraged by what I've seen from him so far is Brett Beatty. Um, I think with Alvarez, obviously there's going to be a lot of growing pains there. Uh, probably the bat's not there yet. Let's be honest. Um, we're going to have to live with it for now because we don't really have a better option. So the best thing we can do is probably letting that major league at bats and just see him figure it out. Uh, but I think Beatty has been completely different. I think you've seen him come up and even in games where he hasn't really put up big numbers, you know, he, he looks good up there. He's still hitting the ball hard. He hit into some bad luck early on, and uh, he just hung with it. Uh, and, you know, it, it really started to show this week at home. Uh, he had that three-hit game, and he's starting to look like a potential stud there at third base. I was really uh, encouraged to see him have the week he did. And it's nice to watch Eduardo Escobar pull for him and root for him. Um, that's That's always fun to see. And Escobar, when he goes out there, Damn, he looks like he's fighting for his life at this point on a baseball field. I think he, even he knows his days are numbered. But um, going back to Alvarez real quick, yeah, we're noticing some growing pains. And now I know he's only 20, 21 years old. The results aren't there, but his approach even, it's just a little too wild for me. That home run he yeah. hit uh, Sunday night against the Giants, he hit it at a ball. He swung at a ball that was completely out of the zone when he did it. Okay, thank goodness he hit a home run. But um, offensively, I have yet to see that bat. Um, He's doing a lot better defensively than I expected. I'll take it. But you could see some hiccups between him and Scherzer that one start when Scherzer was ejected. I mean... (laughs) 
Scherzer was probably a little agitated that night. Um, and, and you, I feel like Scherzer kind of alluded to it a little bit last year when uh, Alvarez caught him uh, during a rehab start that maybe he wasn't 100% there yet. But I, I think he's been better than advertised defensively and um, in his ability to apparently framing pitches he's uh, excellent at. Um, seems like he's called a pretty good game so far. Um, Scherzer's going through his own shit right now, so I can't even really blame him for that too much. Um, but yeah, the, the bat just hasn't been there just yet. And, you know, we're kind of stuck with it for now because it's either him or Nito and nobody else. Um, so you may as well go with the guy that's got potential at least back there for, you know, maybe three out of five starts. Um, but, uh, just obviously we feel like he's not quite ready yet. No, definitely not. I'm interested to see what Kevin Parada is doing down in the minors. I wonder what the plan is if Alvarez doesn't really show out the way he was expected, if uh, they won't be shy of trying to rush Parada through the system, because after all, he was drafted straight out of college. He was SEC player too, I think out of Florida. So you would think, what do they say? Like uh, that level of college baseball is almost like playing in double a. So if he's hitting, I, I wouldn't be afraid to uh, be a little bit more aggressive. I, I think he's starting the year in Brooklyn in single a, so, you know, if he's hitting well there for a month or two, I'd have no problem giving him the call to a double A at least and getting him kind of on the fast track. And uh, Vientos is actually uh, doing very well just recently. He's been on a hot streak. Hey, somebody to consider. You know, the offense has been pretty inconsistent, as we've said. So anyway, they can continue to add a spark to it. Beatty definitely helped. Uh, they looked pretty lifeless before he came on. But, uh, you know, between Mauricio and uh, Vientos, I think the next move is going to be for one of them who, who knows who the odd man out is going to be on the uh, major league club. But I think uh, they've already moved Mauricio or at least have him take some reps at reps at uh, second base to start to uh, get used to life there. I think they're definitely eyeing that as his major league position potentially, um, which makes sense. Cause from what I hear, he struggled a little bit at shortstop. Uh, and then I guess McNeil would potentially move to a uh, corner outfield if he sticks. Yeah, I don't have much of an issue with McNeil moving to the corner outfield as much no, as I do there. as much as I do with Mauricio playing second base. I just don't feel like Mauricio really fits as a – he's just way too tall. He's a big guy. Um, I think if he's got a position anywhere, it's probably going to be third base, but uh, Beatty's superior there. So, you know, then it's like, okay, do we – you know, assuming they both hit and catch on to the major league level, do we put – Mauricio at at third and Beatty in left because Beatty's probably got a better glove out there but I don't know if you really want to do that yeah Mauricio I guess they're gonna try him out at second if they can't do third it probably makes the most sense and uh I mean we're not even there yet but uh hopefully in the next couple of weeks they're looking to uh give him the call if he keeps hitting the way he is you and I were making a big, big deal about going after Brian Reynolds well I guess we could put those ideas to bed now shall we yeah, uh, in one of the more shocking turns of events, the Pirates are one of the best teams in the National League, and they just handed out their first big contract <laughs> to Brian Reynolds. So uh, there goes uh, our kind of top name for a trade acquisition this year. Um, you know, not named Shohei Otani. It's uh, you're seeing this more and more, man. Where teams are just locking up these guys long term. A lot of the big names that you would hope to hit free agency just aren't hitting the market anymore. Yeah. I mean, why not try to lock up your young players? I mean, for the longest time, they would just 
groom these guys for other teams, you know, for other teams. And I think maybe now you might, if teams are smart, they, they should be watching the Atlanta Braves and what they're doing. Try to lock up these young offensive players, you know, all around your diamond and try to have a winning team that way. It could be done. Yeah, it's just crazy with the Braves how many of them have panned out. Like, they haven't had any busts, and that's the risk in giving out a big contract like that. It's Is this guy just, like, um, you know, a spark in a pan, and he's going to burn out at some point, and he's never going to be that star player that you hope for? God knows we've seen it before at the Mets. So um, somehow the Braves uh, seem to hit gold with just about everybody they sign long-term. So you know, watch another team that's not run as well rush to do the same thing and then be stuck with this like albatross of a contract for 10 years. But, you know, if if it works out, obviously you save a ton of money on those players. No, that's for sure. But then that brings up our next, that brings up my next point. Then we got to look back into our corner outfield spots and we're going to probably put Jeff McNeil out in the corners you know, we need that bat somewhere. And if that means we got to grab somebody and put them at second base to get as many bats in the lineup as we can, I have no issue with Jeff going out and left or even right field for that matter. Speaking of right field, not a great April for Starling Marte like he was last season. Yeah, no, definitely um, not the start we were hoping for for Starling. Um, he did miss a, a game or so with that neck injury. You wonder if maybe that's still an issue for him um because that was what we saw from him last year pretty consistent all season when he was healthy he did have a couple lingering issues where he started to struggle a bit dealing with those but as soon as he got right he was you know as good of a hitter as we saw on this team last year i think i'm just gonna chalk it up to a slow start i i maybe i'll just tell myself that but i think maybe it's it's only april uh i like his track record uh, yeah, he should have no should have no issue turning it around. Uh, I think the month of May is going to be a lot more friendlier to the Mets, not only uh, because of the schedule, but you know they're getting you know their two starters back. Um, hopefully, Marte picks it back up. You know, and when Pete and Francisco Lindor get hot, they do carry the offense. So just got to hope for a good month of May to balance out what we did in April and. I think this team's going to contend all season long. It may not be pretty, um, but hey, who knows? We could always acquire some more talent, you know, more bullpen pieces, maybe another bat. So I, I think, I think it looks a lot better than it seems. And I'll take the April we had. And I will say, uh, the Mets apparently have played more road games than any team in baseball at this point. Uh, pretty surprising, but when you look at it, where they played so far yeah for sure they haven't played a lot at home yet so hopefully the kind of the lesser travel the next few weeks some more home games um kind of gives this team a little bit of a chance to recharge and maybe not be so taxed uh, although we do have that uh that flight to detroit as you pointed out um tuesday morning i guess right after uh or maybe tomorrow night right after these games against the braves yeah, that's a very quirky part of the schedule. Not just because we fly out to Detroit, we come right back to New York to play the Rockies. Very odd, very odd way the schedule turned out. But that's probably due to the the cut down in the amount of divisional games that are played. And the fact that you have to play everybody now, like we're going to be flying all over. Uh, I don't love this, but... You know, every team's going through it, so 
hopefully uh works out for us and we've got a few more home games than some of uh our analyst rivals like the Braves. Yeah. Last one of the last topics here I want to bring up before we wrap this thing up here is May is going to be determined on our pitching and how it comes back. The top three guys, it's going to come down to Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and even Kodai Senga. I liked what we've seen out of Kodai Senga. Just, you know, when the fifth inning comes around, get your bullpen ready. Yeah, I don't know. He he uh, looked really good, obviously, his first couple starts. Um, he struggled a little bit since then. I think he's a smart guy. He knows how to mix up his pitches. Uh, I think what could be a problem is another team start to sit on that ghost fork and just say, like, you know, they start to pick it up and just spit on that pitch. Because if they do, then he's got to be really good with the slider. And um, that's been a little inconsistent this year. So, um I don't know. I guess uh, he's a smart guy. I think he'll figure a way out of it, but he's just really got to be tight with his other pitches because if they're off, then he's going to struggle. Uh, the more and more teams see that ghost fork ball, the more teams know how to lay off of it. So uh be interesting to see how he adjusts throughout the, the season here. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't give up too many runs, but I notice his innings are very crowded, very active. Uh, he'll yeah. give he'll give up a walk, maybe two walks, a base hit, and then he'll strike out the side. And before you know it, you look up, it's fourth inning, and he's got 85, 90 pitches. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a little inconsistent for sure. Uh, and you know, sometimes he even looks good for an inning or two, and then he kind of just loses control out there. So uh, maybe it'll get easy for him. We are still in April. You know, he might be having some issues uh, controlling the ball a bit. Certainly some other veteran pitchers are, so – uh, hopefully that's just part of it and uh, he can come around because we're going to need him. Uh, you look at the rest of this rotation right now. I mean, you feel about as good about him and Joey Lucchese as anybody, <laughs> which is crazy that we're saying that this early into the season. Um, this week, obviously, we get Justin Verlander making his first start. That's going to be huge for us. Uh, you hope he can stay healthy the rest of the way. And then with Scherzer, you hope he comes back from this uh, this whole thing stronger than ever. And uh, we're going to need the starting pitching. It hasn't been there yet. I think in the Mets' first 26 games, we've had four quality starts. That's just uh, not going to work for a winning ball team. Justin Verlander, I'm wondering how he's going to respond to the pitch clock. It didn't seem to bother him in spring training. So, I, And I'm hoping, I'm hoping Justin Verlander coming out, pitching well, lights a fire under Max. Max is always a competitive guy. And I think Matt, Max is the type of guy when he sees the pitcher the night before go out there, he wants to match it. And I hope that momentum kind of, you know, trickles down to the rest of the rotation. Love, love, love what Joey Lucchese has been doing coming out of nowhere. Um, Joey, Tyler Fuego. McGill's, Joey Fuego and Tyler McGill has been hanging in there, giving us some great outings. David Peterson. It's always that one inning that kind of just throws yeah. him off. Like the start against the Braves, he was shutting them down, but then the one inning, four runs, and the rest is history. I thought he was gonna be good that night. Those first couple of innings, he looked great. The slider was he was getting swings and misses, especially from righties on that uh that change up just low and away. Uh the back foot slider to righties was excellent, getting a ton of swings and misses at those. And then after that first time through the lineup, man, it dropped off a cliff. Um 
And that's what he's been. And you look at what he was last year when that slider was working so well for him is one of the most uh, swung at missed pitches, I think, in all of MLB last year. Uh, so, you know, without that, it's been the the big difference between him being what he was last year and uh, what he's given us so far this year. Hopefully he can figure that out um, and consistently uh, throughout a full game. Because if he does, he could be dangerous. But again, uh, another guy that's really struggled with consistency so far. Well, uh, just looking ahead at the schedule for the month of May, we got Detroit, we got the Rockies, we got the Reds, who haven't been terrible. We got a four-game set with the Nationals, and uh, they didn't appear to be as easy as we thought they would. Uh, You got three with the world-beating Tampa Bay Rays, three with the Guardians. You got three with the Cubs, who are going to have a tough May themselves. And three with the Rockies again. And then we close it off with the Philadelphia Phillies. So, you know, I think we could, we got some wins there in the month of May. I really do. You know, it's funny because when we first looked at that schedule a few episodes ago, I was looking at May like, oh, this is easier than April. But some of those teams are playing have been a lot better than people expected. Uh, The Reds have been okay so far, but uh, I mean, the Rays are playing out of control right now. And um, the Cubs, even you look at some of the guys they got going on that team right now. Uh, Nico Horner is like an MVP candidate right now. Uh, Patrick Wisdom is up there. So and even Cody Ballinger is having a renaissance year out there for the Cubs. So uh, they may be a little bit better than uh, anybody saw coming. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Sean, real quick, before we wrap this thing up, how was your trip to City Field? Did you get any of the new food? Oh, it was great. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, I don't know if it's new. There's a chicken finger place behind the the big ass scoreboard out there. Uh, brought my girlfriend for the first time. Marie got that. Uh, no lines, which is great. I guess it was, uh, you know, that weeknight, uh, late April baseball. People just don't want to come out because it's still cold and uh, definitely benefited. Uh, no lines for anything. Went up and got Shake Shack within like 10 minutes. Um, Really chill night at the ballpark. Obviously, great win over the Nats in the 9-8 uh, come from behind. I was actually uh, in one of the uh, the stores when uh, C.J. Abrams did that grand slam, and I just looked at the guy behind the counter and was like, what the fuck, man? But, uh, you know, they turned it around, and it was a great first night at City Field this year. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to hear. Uh, any uh, encouraging words for the fans out there heading into May? Uh yeah, just uh, be excited about Verlander coming back and uh, even getting Scherzer back from this uh, whole uh, incident with the rosin. I think, uh, you know, that's hopefully going to provide a boost to our starting rotation. And if it does, it's going to make a huge difference. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. You're damn right, Sean. Well, uh, there you have it, guys. This was another episode of 40 Minutes to Flushing. Tune in next time. Let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets.